Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team this is hit well in a center field that one's carrying out at center it's out of here oh johnny with a pinch hit home run at the plate is mike trout the pitch on its way it's blasted out to dead center field out of here ball gets away he's gonna break for the plate ball game is over the Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. All right, we got a rainy day podcast for you today. Podcast number 80 here on the Angels Recap Podcast. My name is Trent Rush. What's going on? Rain in New York has called uh, a game that was uh, supposed to be today here on this Thursday. We're recording this podcast. Uh, not going to happen. It's going to be made up come August uh, when the Angels will go back to New York for one game there on August the 16th. So in the meantime, we got a lot to talk about here uh, on the Angels Recap Podcast. We're going to get into uh, a new development as far as the Angels rotation is concerned and that Jose Suarez is now a part of it and that Dylan Bundy isn't. So we're going to get uh, some details on that. We're going to hear from Joe Madden, get some of his explanation as to why that would be the case. I mean, Bundy has struggled this year. There's no question about that. Suarez has been hot of late. We'll also go into some more detail on some rising arms and really what the Angels rotation could look like down the road. We'll talk about Shohei Otani. I know yesterday did not go well for Shohei Otani in the first inning. That doesn't change how I feel about him. I think Otani is a unicorn. I think he is a mythical kind of guy. He did show that he was a little human yesterday. I still think he got a little squeezed in that game uh, last night in New York. But uh, hey, what goes around comes around because the Angels completed quite the comeback last night. I just heard this stat listening to uh, AM830 actually. It was an ESPN Radio national show um, that said that the Yankees had won each of their previous 820 games when having a four-run leader more going into the ninth inning. That is unbelievable. And the odds, like for Jared Walsh, hit that grand slam in that game. Walsh batting like 166 or something like that against left-handed pitchers. Araldis Chapman had not given up a home run to a left-handed batter since 2017. Opposing left-handed hitters batting 105 against him this season. Has only given up four home runs to a left-handed hitter in his entire career. 
And then Luis Ifo has really been struggling. I thought Terry Smith had a really good call um, with the buildup for how Luis Ifo has, has had such a hard time this year. And, well, here he comes up in a situation with two guys on base, two in scoring position at that with two outs, and he comes through, gets a base hit, and ends up uh, being the game-winning hit for the Angels, who win the ball game 11-8. The only team in the history of baseball to give up seven first-inning runs and score seven ninth-inning runs in the same game. I, I mean, it was just incredible how that all played out last night. I mean, I know Yankee fans are, are I mean, they, they hit the panic button a while ago. They are like holding the panic button now. They, they, they don't know what to do um, in New York. As far as the Angels are concerned, obviously the situation for the Angels right now, when you're talking postseason, is, is still an uphill battle. The Angels got a lot of work to do, and it does make things interesting heading into the trade deadline. Yes, you can take some momentum by taking two of three against the Yankees. That part uh, is good. But now you got to come back to this home saying you got to keep this going. Like you get a day off today. You get to get on that plane early. You get to relax. Don't have to worry about playing a game today. A day for the bullpen to reset. I mean, Angels starting pitchers in the Yankees series went just five and a third total innings. I mean, the Angels got no length out of their starters, and the rotation's got to be better. And like I mentioned before, changes are happening in this rotation. We've already seen Patrick Sandoval supplant Jose Quintana in the rotation, and now we are seeing that Jose Suarez is in there instead of Dylan Bundy. The rotation's got to be better than what it's been. And, and, you know, there have been times this year where the starters been pretty good and the bullpens let the Angels down. Well, in this Yankees series, the starting pitching just didn't give it, the Angels any chance to win, quite honestly. But the bullpen picked them up in a big way. I mean, how about the Angels' pen? I don't know. That, and it wasn't talked about enough. Maybe it was. I don't know. Uh, eight and a third innings of one-run baseball from the Angels' bullpen yesterday. I mean, I know that Phil Gosselin had some big hits in the game. And, and obviously, Jared Walsh's two home runs. Ringifo was clutch. To David Fletcher's ninth inning stolen base was big. A lot of good things happened in the game. Uh, Anthony Rendon's had some big hits uh, over the last week or so. That's been good to see. But I tell you what, the Angels' bullpen is what helped make that game happen. And, and navigating through rain delays and, and pitchers having to bat. And a bunch of things happened in that game uh, last night. But but the Angels' bullpen, I thought, did a good job in the Yankees' series. You just want to see some kind of balance there and see Angel starters and Angel relievers be good at the same time. We're still waiting on that. But you look at this homestand now. You get Baltimore and Boston, and then you play three games in Seattle, and now you're into the All-Star break. I mean, the Angels' next game will be game number 81 of the season. I mean, here we are essentially halfway through the year and the Angels, as it stands right now, two games under 500 and they've been without Mike Trout for basically half their games this season. So when you put that all into perspective and consider the whole thing, it's not like the Angels are that far off where a lot of people thought they would be, and that is with you know the rotation struggles and the bullpen struggles that they've had. It has to do with you know Anthony Rendon hasn't quite been himself um, so far here in the first half of this season, but Shohei Otani's been unbelievable. Mike Trout has been out, and Jared Walsh is you know proving to be a legitimate first base option that is going to be a part of any team's long term plans. Would love to have somebody like Jared Walsh patrolling first base. He brings you so much with his defensive ability and his range. The are able to do different things on the defensive side, and he's a great hitter too. And he's still trying to figure out hitting lefties. I get it, uh, but he dominates against right-handed pitching, and you know it's that's going to come. Remember, Shohei Otani struggled a lot about, um, struggled quite a bit against left-handed pitching early in his career as an offensive player. Um, going into last night's game, I mean, it was a lot of hype about Shohei. Um, 
pitching in New York for the first time, and it, it obviously didn't go well, which really bummed me out because I, I'm obviously thrilled the Angels won the game. I, you know, it was great. The, the team success is, is far more important than any individual, but it bummed me out about Otani because I thought it was going to be really cool on that stage with the two weeks that Otani had leading up to that. I really wanted to see him be able to pitch well in New York. Uh, I, I just thought it would have been kind of the icing to what has been just a remarkable June for him. But I want to go into like the full story of Otani. I, I, let's go back all the way to when he first signed with the Angels in that 2018 season. At first, I think people had a pretty good idea that there was a chance he could pitch. He had some command trouble that spring. But remember, he couldn't hit at all in that spring training in 2018. And there were a lot of people wondering, hey, is this guy ever going to pan out? Is this real? Is this a fluke? And there were uh, people in the New York media that kept that going through the 2018 season. There were people uh, that you know were fans of uh, other teams, uh, some nearby, some uh, not so close to home. But either way, a lot of people did doubting the possibility of Shohei Otani and saying that, hey, it's all hype and this is never going to amount to anything. I mean, that was a real conversation in that 2018 season, and he ends up having a very good year. It becomes the rookie of the year, ends up getting hurt down the stretch that August, though, um, has to have Tommy John surgery. So we really never got to see true Shohei Otani. But in that 2018 season, there were a couple of other factors at play here. I think for one, um, you're, you're talking about somebody that is assimilating to the United States culture, but also assimilating into MLB culture and figuring that part out. That is not something that just happens with a flip of a switch overnight. That takes time to develop that comfortability. And he was also trying to pull off something that nobody had ever seen before. I do think the Angels had the right approach in being cautious at first about how they wanted to um, you know, kind of maneuver how he would go about a season and, and giving him lots of rest. And, you know, he did not have very much freedom, quite frankly when he first came in because you just wanted to see if this thing could work. I mean, it was an experiment. It's a trial by fire. There was no way of knowing how this thing was going to pan out. So you're doing in the best judgment you can to do what you think is right for the player. And so that's what the Angels did. And in 2018, he was the rookie of the year. So you can't say it didn't work, but he ends up getting hurt later that season. 2019, we only get to see Shohei at the plate, and he was never really quite himself. Yeah, he put up some pretty good offensive numbers still, struggled offensively against left-handers, but we didn't get to see him pitch at all. So Shohei was never really Shohei that year. Fast forward to 2020, half season, Otani's trying to recover from the mound. I remember being here at the Big A, um, this is in July of 2020, and I think Otani had something like eight walks or something really early on. I mean, the the the, 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 the ball-to-strike ratio was horrible for Otani. He just couldn't throw strikes, and this was in a um, – it wasn't the alternate site. What they call it? Summer camp. It was in summer camp last year where he's facing Angels players, and you're looking at the velo going, okay, well, that's pretty good, but the command is all over the place, and he was walking all kinds of guys and had lots of trouble and getting knocked out of games early, and, and that was – you know, at the time, I remember thinking, okay, well, I'm a little concerned about this, but the guy also hasn't really pitched since 2018, so how much are we going to hold it against him? Well, then you get into the regular season, and what do you have, two starts, and Otani just very obviously was not right as a pitcher. Had a pretty good year hitting, though. I, th- I think that he continued to show what you know what we had seen in 2018 and 2019, that this guy can hit a little bit, and you know, there's a chance that he could be, you know, maybe an all-star caliber DH, maybe he gets to that point, I think, is probably 
probably the thought with Otani um, when I'm thinking back to at least what I had in my notes from the 2020 season, knowing that this guy has potential, um, but you know, you're still kind of waiting for him to really be that guy that everyone talked about when he first arrived here from Japan. Okay. Then we get into spring training this year, 2021 spring training. Shohei looks great at the plate. Okay, feeling awesome about that. Still has some command issues, but the velo is way up. You're excited about what he is doing out there in Tempe. You're feeling really good about it. He gets into April, and he's already tearing the cover off the ball. I remember that home run he hits on Sunday Night Baseball against the White Sox. That was one of the loudest home runs I have ever heard in my life that Shohei was able to put together. But even at that point, even at that moment, there was still some command um, issues pitching-wise. I mean, the velo was off the charts. Otani was throwing as hard as he has ever thrown, but he was still walking too many guys. He wasn't giving up a lot of runs. Otani was still looking like a really strong pitcher in that moment, even in April, but he was still walking a lot of guys, and the Angels were still being a little bit careful with how much he pitched, and, and also, all of a sudden, uh, Joe Madden started saying, hey, this guy's going to play every day. There are no restrictions with this guy. That was the Angels' approach going into 2021. The shackles are off. Go play. Do your thing, Shohei, and, and you tell us how you're feeling. And that's been the idea that the Angels have had with Otani this entire season. And as things have progressed, Otani went from pitching every 10 days to every 7 days. Now he's basically pitching every 5 days. And the other thing Otani has done while this season has progressed is he is taking some command uh, or gaining some command by taking off some velo. He's not throwing the ball quite so hard. He can still ramp it up at times, and that's what makes him just a lethal pitcher. Now, the problem was yesterday is Otani did not have that command. I mean, too many walks, four walks in the first inning. The pitch count gets up to 40, and, and Joe couldn't leave him out there. I mean, the pitch count just got way too high. But that, to me, doesn't look like, oh, we're seeing Otani regress. That, to me, looked like a tough day. And I think he got squeezed a little bit, and that might have bothered him a little bit. Um, you know, and again, he is human. As much as I like to think that he is this mythical creature, and it's this Hollywood story, and, you know, it's so easy to forget um, the impact that he has made um, because it's so easy to forget that he is a human being because the way he plays and what he is doing is unlike anything we've ever seen a person be able to do before. He is doing things at that level. And one bad day on the mound yesterday does not change at all for me who Shohei Otani is. We are seeing Shohei Otani become a pitcher. He has gone from being a thrower to being a pitcher. And now here we are looking at Shohei Otani, and it's all finally coming together. In some ways, it's the crescendo that you hope can plateau and last for a long time. I don't know how much higher of a mountain Otani could possibly climb, but the longer he can maintain what he is doing this year, oh my goodness. This guy is beyond incredible. This guy is performing at a level that is greater than anybody's wildest dreams. If you said that you believed Otani was going to do this, you're out of your mind. I'm telling you, I am somebody that probably had some of the highest hopes and highest aspirations for Otani of anyone that you're going to find. And this guy is far exceeding my expectations. So remember the month of June where the Angels started off 9-2 and and the Angels got off to that great run? 
as awesome as that's been, I know that since then the Angels have had some struggles. I mean, they got swept in Oakland on that series there, uh, swept by the Giants in the quick two game set, dropped two or three against Tampa Bay. Second half of the month has been tougher, but it has not been for Shohei Otani. It's been tougher for the Angels because they've played tougher teams. Let's not forget that part either. But for Shohei Otani, just consider what he has done. Okay, in a loss against the A's on June the 15th, Homer in that game, homered again on the 16th, only to back it up by opening that homestand against the Detroit Tigers by going six innings on the mound, gave up just a run, struck out five, picked up a victory in that performance. All right, so that's a pretty good stretch of three days. But that, my friends, is just the tip of the iceberg. Because in that series against the Tigers, when it continued, he hit two home runs the next night, a homer the game after that, and then another home run on Sunday the 20th. The greatest series I think anybody has ever had and what I still think is the greatest week anybody has ever had until maybe this week. Um, After that, it was an off day on the 21st. Otani has, oh my goodness, what is wrong with him? He goes 0 for 3 um, at the plate uh, the game after that when the Angels uh, took on the Giants, but not to worry because he was on the mound the next day and against San Francisco, went six innings, gave up a run, struck out nine in the game that should have won that day. Uh, they just didn't. That was the long extra innings game. And, and, you know, it was a whole story for another day. But even still, game the Angels absolutely could have won. Didn't happen. But Otani was still remarkable on the mound. Okay, another off day after that, only to back it up. Angels hit the road. They go to Tampa. That's when he hits one off the catwalk at the Trop. Officially, I think it was 4.53, I think it was the official tail of the tape. But Joe Madden said in all his time that he spent in Tampa Bay, batting practice, all the games he'd seen there, he had never seen a ball hit anywhere close to where Otani hit that home run in that game. Backs it up with a hit the next day. The 27th, homers again. 28th, he finishes a single shy of the cycle. Otani was that good in that game. I mean, in that game, Shohei Otani essentially put the Angels on his back and carried them to a victory. Then he goes to New York. So this time, we get Broadway show. And let's not forget all the Yankee fans that wanted to say back in 2018 that, oh, Otani was chicken for not wanting to pitch there. That was on the the cover of one of the tabloids in New York in the newsstands. I mean, seriously. I mean, they're calling out Shohei. The the, the paper still exists. It's it's out there. The the New York media was blasting Otani, and and they were crushing him because he didn't want to go there. They thought he was ducking New York. Look, he wanted to be on the West Coast, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. And, And it makes sense why he wants to be on American League team. I know a lot of people and a lot of your friends that might be fans of other teams are saying right now, oh, well, he needs to be in the National League. Well, if he's in the National League, then he's got to go play a position. Um, but because he's in the American League, he can DH and he can pitch, and the Angels are still letting him hit on days that he's pitching. And I'm sure, like, knowing Shohei, like, in three or four years, he probably will be a really good outfielder. Like, just knowing Otani, he'll probably just pick up a glove and figure it out. But to ask him to do that now, I mean, is, is come on. Um, anyway, series in New York. What's he doing his very first at-bat in the Bronx? See ya. Home run there. Two more home runs the next night. He's got three in the first two games. I know the lasting taste of Otani in New York in this series is going to be the seven runs and two-thirds of that first inning um, on a Wednesday afternoon. But to me, that felt more fluky. That felt more like he got squeezed a little bit. Uh, the command wasn't quite there. And what I'm going to remember about this series is that first at-bat for Otani and then two home runs the next night. I mean, that's that's what Otani's series was. I mean, the way he is performing right now is remarkable. There's no slowing down for Shohei Otani, even if he did have a tough day on the hill. As far as when Mike Trout's going to come back, by the way, um, 
last I heard a couple of days ago, Trout took some swings in the cage, uh, just did some light baseball activities. He was put on the 60-day injured list, so he's not eligible to return until July 17th. I don't know that he's going to be ready to go on July 17th. I think we're probably looking at Trouty end of July, early August. Seems to be a window that kind of makes sense to me based on what I've gathered, but there's no official timeline as of right now for when Mike Trout's going to return. So in the meantime, the Angels are trying to tread water, and the Angels are, are trying to you know get back to being a 5 other team and do so with Shohei Otani carrying the way. But it can't be just Otani. You need other guys to step up. And that's why I've been really encouraged by what I've seen from Patrick Sandoval and Jose Suarez. Because I think right now you're seeing the possibility of that rotation coming to fruition, those guys being a part of it. And I also think about this the way the Angels roster is structured. So Dylan Bundy's on an expiring contract. Andrew Heaney's on an expiring contract. Alex Cobb's on an expiring contract. And then you think of where Sandoval and Suarez fit in. And then you also think about the guys in double-A right now. I mean, I talked about uh, Kyle Tyler, Cooper Criswell, but of course Reed Detmers and Chris Rodriguez is down there too. And he's working as a starter. It doesn't mean he's going to return as a starter, but he's working as a starter in double-A right now. Who wouldn't like a rotation of Otani with Detmers, Sandoval, Sirod, Suarez, Griffin Canning? That could be the Angels' rotation like soon. Like, like maybe this season, maybe early next season. That's what it could be. Now, as far as what the Angels want to do with the trade deadline, I know we touched on this last week, and, and Angels general manager Perry Manazian has kind of talked about this as well, and it's like, hey, the Angels aren't really buyers, they're not really sellers, but you're looking for any way you can improve the team. And the Angels right now, if they stay this far out of a playoff spot, are going to have to be sellers. That's just the reality. Now, you'd like to see them play better baseball and get closer to that before the deadline. Uh, closer to being a contender, and then you can go and acquire pieces. But I don't see this Angels team as being a team that's going to try to get a short-term option. Like, I don't see Scherzer as being an answer. I don't think the Angels are going to go cash in chips to get a piece that's on an expiring deal. However, if there is a pitcher out there, say uh, Herman Marquez or a John Gray, a Luis Castillo, where there is team control beyond this season, and the Angels can get somebody like that to help, sure, this year, but also next year and moving forward, then I don't know why the Angels wouldn't pursue that. And I would imagine they would. I, I, I think that's got to be the approach the Angels have. So the Angels might end up looking like buyers at the deadline to get guys that are not on expiring deals, even if, you know, you just look at the math, they're in a position where they're forced to be sellers. I don't know if that's going to be the case. They might end up being buyers um, when it gets closer. They're going to have to go on a run, no question about that, but that, that's not out of the realm of possibility. They're kind of in this in-between land right now, and the longer you stay in this in-between spot, uh, the tougher that it gets. But I am encouraged uh, by what we have seen from Patrick Sandoval and Jose Suarez so far at the big league level. Sandy has looked to me like the Angels' second-best starting pitcher. And Jose Suarez has been stretched out long enough to be a starter. Joe Madden believes he can go 75, 80 pitches at this point. And, man, when he came into the game in New York, after Dylan Bundy got sick due to the heat exhaustion, um, went like two and a third, so, you know, we saw Suarez come in and was just a gamer. He didn't know he was going to pitch that. Danny's face in the New York Yankees in the Bronx did not phase him. I love that. This guy's a bulldog. I like what I've seen from Suarez. I like the way his body has changed. I like the way that he is taking care of himself physically to be able to perform at a high level. Suarez is doing a lot of things that you like, and he's always had the live arm, um, but it takes time for guys to come through. I don't think you write off somebody with as much raw talent as Suarez just because they've been knocked around a little bit early in their big league careers. 
this guy is starting to come around, and I think now we're getting to the point where, okay, let's let Jose Suarez be Jose Suarez. You get him in the rotation, be part of the mix, there's a chance this guy can be pretty good. And clearly Joe Madden feels the same way, and here he is on Thursday morning talking about uh, Jose Suarez and what his role is going to be. Yeah, he's got an opportunity right now moving forward. That's that's the, the game plan. Um, his next start, I think we've had him up almost as high as 60 pitches, but he's done that often, the, you know, the, the, the mid 50 kind of numbers. So I, uh, talking to Dominic and Matt, uh, we believe that, you know, 80 is not un, unrealistic the next time out and he has a tendency to be pitch efficient. So even if it's five, five and around 75, I'll take it. Um, and then he could build into it from there, but, um, uh, everybody's been really impressed. He's a, he's a different guy this year. Uh, is uh, really for the first time revealing his personality beyond his ability to pitch, and it's really interesting. I like him a lot. I like Sandoval a lot. I like Chris Rodriguez a lot. I like Reed Detmers a lot. I'm getting to know Kyle Tyler and Cooper Criswell, and everything I've heard about them has been really good too. So there are pieces in this Angel system that are really encouraging. Speaking of uh, Reed Detmers, he's going to be participating in the Futures game. It's going to be on Sunday in Colorado, all leading up to All-Star Weekend. So it's going to be fun to get a chance to see Reed Detmers there, the Angels' uh, 2020 first-round pick. And uh, also Hector Yawn is going to be joining him. Yawn has been putting up some big numbers um, in single A uh, so far uh, over the last couple of years. But I was following him in Burlington the last few. And and now here he is starting to ascend in the Angels' system a young talented live arm in the angel system but you know those those young talents were in low a and rookie ball a couple years ago now they're to the point where they're in high a and double a which means you're mighty close i think once you get to double a even you know it's not uncommon to skip triple a and go right to the big leagues from double a um as far as you know quality pitchers are concerned so i am encouraged by that i like where the young pieces in the angel system now are because they're all starting to get within striking distance of being major leaguers uh, this is an angel system that for a long time has not had the arms you would have wanted to see but it's starting to come around. That growth is starting to happen. The Angels are developing these arms. They've drafted them. Now they are developing them, and I'm encouraged by that. Angels got to keep playing good baseball. They got a big homestand coming up. I hope to see you here uh, on July the 4th. How about that? We got a 4th of July game against the Baltimore Orioles. The Halos are back home for that series, and then uh, they finish it up with the Red Sox for three before they go to Seattle for three more, all heading into the All-Star break. So that is what is ahead for the Angels here uh, going into the break um, like a lot of ground to make up there's no doubt about that the Angels got to pitch the ball better but man the Shohei stuff uh, you just can't talk about it enough it is that phenomenal what we are seeing with Shohei Otani this is kind of a make or break time for the Angels Um, what are they going to do I think that those decisions are going to be made after the All-Star break or maybe at the All-Star break of how the Angels want to see uh, how this thing goes uh, the next uh, year or two. I think some of those decisions can get made here in the next couple of weeks, depending on how it all shakes out. But uh, we're also going to be doing some ticket giveaways on uh, Angels Recap on our uh, on our radio show after each and every Angels home game. So we got some tickets to give away to that, so be sure to check that out. Looking forward to having all of that for you. It's going to be a fun time here at the Big A. Hope to see you 
here for that uh, because uh, we get full capacity now and nothing beats uh, spending a night at the ballpark and especially on the 4th of July. How awesome is that going to be? All right, that's going to just about do it for us here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Once again, my name is Trent Rush. Thanks for joining us here. Thanks to Hannah Stang for all her help, Alex Tinio, Howard Drescher, everybody behind the scenes that helps get this show up and on the air for you or available on whatever streaming platform it is that you choose to use. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Angels Recap Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.